Well, we're diving into a new series this morning called Soundtrack of My Life. I'm really excited about it. And you know, every generation kind of has, has their soundtrack, right? The songs that define a generation. When you hear these songs, you'd be like, whether you're from that generation or not, you would be able to identify what generation that is, right? You go back in time a little bit, and you have things, some of you don't even recognize it. I had to ask in first service what this thing was, a, grandma, a gramophone, right? Did I get that right? And it used, it, we don't have the big thing, the big uh, horn that comes off that, that sends the sound out. But this is a gramophone. This is a record player. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got some reel-to-reels in here. That's pretty awesome. We got an old uh, AM-FM. There are soundtracks from this generation. And I think there are certain songs from generations that, I mean, they just define it. There's a defining song, right? Like this song. You feel it. You feel it. Come on. Hey, you can dance if you want to. Right? You know the song? How many of you know the song? What is it? Johnny Be Good, Mr. Chuck Berry, right? What a great song. How about this one? If you need to get up and dance, sing along, whatever you want to do. You ain't never caught a rabbit and you ain't no friend of mine. What an encouraging song. You're nothing but a hound dog. What a great song. So moving from that era into another era. Many of you know this one. And the sky is gray. Been for a walk on a winter's day. Come on. California dreaming. California dreaming by the... Mamas and the Papas. That's a great band name, isn't it? Hey, what should we call ourselves? How about the Mamas and the Papas? Oh, I love it. I'm sure there's a story. How about this song? Smile on your brother, everybody get together. Gotta love one another right now. Come on, everybody. Come on. Put them up. Put them up. There you go. Right? That's a great song. That's classic. That's ageless, timeless, that kind of song. We all need to live by that one. Just try to love another, everyone right now. Come on. Right? Mm, come on. Right? Anybody know this one? Imagine by Mr. John Lennon, of course. What a great song. What's the next one? Come on, do it. You know you want to do it. Everybody, come on. Yeah, right. That's awesome. You know, that, that song kind of transcended that generation, right? Like everybody knows that song, the Bee Gees, right? But then moving into the 80s, we move away from kind of the LPs, the 33s and the 45s. Into the hi-fi system. Right? King of pop, Michael Jackson. Are you kidding me? Billy Jean's not my lover. That's a great song, right? King of pop. Let's see. What's our next one? Oh, 
If you weren't into the king, you were definitely into this one. Yeah, sing it now. Come on. Take it or not. Oh, you guys know this one. Right? This is like a Christian song. It's his prayer in it. <laughs> right? Well, man, you got to love Bon Jovi. I wish I had his hair. Oh, I love Bon Jovi. But we're moving from the hi-fi system and CDs and tapes. Nothing said love like a mixed tape, right? But we moved into the grunge era of 1990s. Right? Throw up the rock fist. Anybody na- name this band? Nirvana. Smells like teen spirit. I'm a youth pastor. I know what teen spirit smells like. We love Nirvana. I think another song that defined that generation, very close to my heart, Pearl Jam. Name that song. Jeremy. Love that song, right? I, that was the first First CD I owned and played in my original Discman, right? The Discman that you couldn't move because it would skip, so you had to walk with it like this, right, just to listen to it. So then we moved out of the C, kind of the CD era. You could take your CDs, plop them on your computer, and put them onto an MP3 player. And you could put it into an iHome and play it anywhere. You could, you could take hundreds of gigabytes of music, right? I remember the days when they said, 128 megabytes on your computer? You're never going to use that amount of space. Now we're filling up terabytes of computers with movies and, and uh, with songs. But there's some key songs of this generation. You can totally sing along with me if you want. Yeah, come on. Right? Backstreet Boys? Come on. Right? They're the reincarnation of New Kids on the Block. There's another song, similar group. You know this one. Right? Come on. Come on. Those are the actual moves to the song. I looked it up on YouTube. I looked it up. Those are the moves. Man, I feel so cool. Oh, they, def- they define. Now, there's one song I think that actually transcends all that. Sing along if you want. You know this song, right? Here we go. West Philadelphia born. There you go. You guys know the words. When a couple of guys, they were up to no good, started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got one little fight. My mom got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle and dad. Oh, yeah, you guys are awesome. <laughs> it was either that song or YMCA. 
I knew would, would connect, so. Oh, man, every generation has their soundtrack, right? And I think every person has a soundtrack to their life. Perhaps some of those songs are your soundtrack, you know, bye, bye, bye. We all have a soundtrack to which we live our lives to. What is your soundtrack? And that's what we're going to explore over the next few weeks is the soundtrack of our lives. What does it look like? What does it sound like? I think every person has convictions that they live their life to. And so the question is, what are your convictions? Convictions are those things that you are certain about. They're values of your life that inform every decision that you make. Every choice that you come in contact with is filtered through these convictions, through these values, through this soundtrack of your life. The question is, whose groove are you in? What's the groove look like? How does it play out in your life? What do you dance along to, right? Right? Keep it right here. The Q-tip, all right. What do you dance along to? What do you hum along to in your life? Maybe you physically hum songs or sing songs as you go about the day, right? It may just be, happen to be the, the last song you heard on the radio, right? And you can't get it out of your head, right? Baby, 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 oh, like baby, 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 oh! Right? A little Justin Bieber from this generation. I kissed a girl and I liked it. All right, Katy Perry, some of you know Katy Perry. If you're a parent, you know this phenomenon because you find yourself driving down the road singing, Jake and the Neverland Pirates and me. Oh, my goodness, get out of my head. <laughs> right? We all have soundtracks that we live our lives to, and there are times we physically sing along, hum along to these songs, but I think there are, deeper than that, there are soundtracks that we live our life to, sometimes informed by the songs of our culture, but our life is playing along to a soundtrack. And over today and the next few weeks, I want us to examine what those convictions, what the soundtracks are of our life. Today I want to talk with, uh, about soundtrack conviction number one. My beliefs become my behavior, and then my behavior becomes my beliefs. My beliefs become my behavior. Let's dig down on that a little bit. What I see, what I hear, what I think, and what I say becomes the things I see, hear, think, and say. That makes sense? Say it again. What I see, hear, think, and say influences what I see, hear, think, and say. And then they become the things that I believe and the person I become. So then my behavior becomes my beliefs. And I defend, I justify my beliefs according to my behavior. And my behavior according to my beliefs. I think the lies that we hear from our culture today, sometimes we have problems differentiating what is truth and what is lie. And the lies that we hear, we, we accept. And the lies that we hear today become tomorrow's actions, tomorrow's behavior. 
And the habits that I form today become the anchor of my life tomorrow. That thing that I thought I'd only do once or participate in for a short time becomes the anchor of my life and I can never move past that moment. It's forever ingrained in my soundtrack. Do you know when they record a vinyl record? Kids, I'm going to show you what a vinyl record is real quick. Hey, that's Gary Denbo. <laughs> Come look at that later. That's awesome. Sandy Patty, for all of those who know Sandy Patty. So when they record a, a vinyl record, right, it actually, according to the actual sound waves, records those grooves exactly as they would appear physically. Does that make sense? So the sound waves are being recorded on the vinyl record. And then when you put the needle on it, it plays back those sound waves. There is no lost information. Now, it doesn't sound real great, but there's no information lost when it's recorded. Now, when you go to digital formats, right, you're losing very little, if any, information, and it's even better to hear, easier to hear in the digital formats. That's a pretty simplistic explanation. I had to Google that, by the way. But I'm not just speaking metaphorically this morning about abstract concepts. The book of Romans is written to Roman Christians, Jewish Christians, and Roman Christian, Gentile Christian. And Paul, the apostle who writes the book of Romans, gives a lot of great doctrine. But he's not writing it in abstract concepts about the person of Jesus Christ. Later in the book, he says, this is how you flesh it out. This is how you live it. I'm not just writing a book to inform or give you knowledge. I'm giving you this to have a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. When we talk about our soundtrack, it's not just metaphorical. It is the very things we put into our hearts and minds. The things we listen to, the things we watch, things we read, all being stored no information is lost. It all becomes an influence in your life. What you see and hear and think and say becomes your reality. So what do you fill your mind with? What are you tuned into? Because the values of our culture are drastically different than the values laid out in Scripture. But I think... We find ourselves tuning into our culture much more frequently than we're tuning into the truth of Scripture that has value for eternity. And we tune in with both our mouth and our mind. We hum along, and those tunes become ingrained not just in our mind, but then in our heart and in our life as well. So what do you find yourself singing? Because what goes in is what comes out. My beliefs become my behavior, and my behavior becomes my belief. This is why the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, encourages Christians to do this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I think the Apostle Paul knew something. He knew that all truth is God's truth. There's only one truth. 
Now, in our culture, you might see glimpses of truth. You might hear a song or a TV show that seems to ring with some truth. And I would say that's valid. Our culture has memories of what truth is. But it's like waking up from a, a dream. And you, you know when you wake up from a dream and you can only recall parts of it, it's kind of foggy and hazy and you're not sure you could piece it all together if you tried? Well, that's kind of what our culture is like. Our world is full of sort of half-baked truths and twisted truths because our culture longs for truth and yet doesn't know it, can't find it, and it only is a hazy memory. But I believe all truth is God's truth no matter where it's found. It's just that you've got to know what truth is, what's counterfeit versus what is real. And so the Apostle Paul says, whatever is noble and true and, and pure and lovely and admirable, think about those things, wherever they come from. Whether it's art that causes your mind to glorify God, whether it's a song, whether it's a Christian artist or not, does it cause your heart and mind to be drawn towards Jesus? He understood that. And he says, whatever you've learned from me, you've heard in me, you've seen in me. If you looked at my soundtrack and you hear my soundtrack, then follow my soundtrack. Listen to my podcast, if you will. And he's saying, that's okay to follow me. Put it into practice what I'm saying to you. The same writer, the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 12, going from, from doctrinal statements... He moves into chapter 12 with sort of the practical application of what he wants the people of Rome, the the believers in Rome, to think. And here's what he says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, I think there are some soundtrack influences. The first one would be our culture. And here Paul lays out for the people of Rome, and knowing their culture, probably very similar to ours, minus the technology. Very pleasure-driven, very experience-driven. And he's writing to Christians in Rome, and he's saying, in view of what I've just said, of all the doctrinal statements, you've got to now live it out. You've got to make some tough decisions that probably the culture around you will not understand. And he says, and in view of God's mercy, all these things I've talked about, the person of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, now you live as a living sacrifice. The, the Jewish Christians to whom he wrote would get this. Remember, The last few weeks we talked about Hebrews and how the Hebrew writer lays out an argument of why Jesus is greater because of his sacrifice. And the the sacrificial system is done away with because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Now he's saying to the believers, you offer your very self as a sacrifice. The desires and pleasures of this world that you chase after, you put on the altar and you give to Christ and you chase his desires and his will. You live according to his standards because you, as he writes in Philippians, I want to know Christ and I want to know that kind of power. But he says, you got to do it this way. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of our culture because our culture has a pattern of behavior, doesn't it, of living? 
It says you got to seek this and have this and, and live your life for these. And this is your purpose. And, and in some regards, they say there really is, there's no purpose at all. So just live for you. Live for the moment. Live for whatever pleasure you can get. Because in the end, you're dead. You're worm food. Right? And he says, don't conform to that pattern. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have your soundtrack switched. Stop living to the soundtrack of our culture. Then you hum along and you sing along and you walk along with everything that you see on TV, you see in the movies, you hear in the music. Because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You know, it used to be radio, right? How many of you remember when you were a kid, you'd gather around the old AM radio, switch it on, you get to listen to whatever's playing, right? Whether it was War of the Worlds, I don't know anybody else that was on the radio. That's the only thing in my brain that I know about AM radio. But that used to be the center of it. And we move, begin to move into an entertainment-driven culture. And then, of course, you had your hi-fi system. Look at the stack of that stuff. Remember that? Good night. Entertainment center was like a colossal wood construction to house all this. That, my friends, is an 8-track right there. Kids, ask your parents. Then you moved into the digital age where nothing was inaccessible. Everything was at, everything is available and you can just flip on a TV and watch anything. And our culture now is influenced by everything that we watch. And our soundtrack is being written by companies that don't care about you. They just want your money. By a culture that just wants to justify any and every behavior. So what's your soundtrack being written by? Is it being written by our culture? And the pattern that they put out through music and through television? Proverbs 14.12 tells us this. There is a way that seems right to humans... But its end is death. There's a way that seems right to us. Because in, in our own human state, we wander. We live according to instinct. We live according to natural. It just feels right, so I do it. And that's the only way I know. When I, always, I always say to, to my Christian friends who say, well, I don't understand why non-Christians act that way. Well, because non-Christians act like non-Christians. That's how they're, that's, lost people act lost. People who don't know Christ aren't going to act according to Scripture. So we need to understand that. We as Christians are to act a different way. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the power of the Holy Spirit and Scripture. So we have to ask ourselves, is our soundtrack being written by culture or by Christ? Are we living according to the soundtrack of Christ or the soundtrack of our culture? Because our culture has soundtracks like, how many college students do we have in the room this morning? Several college students all over the place. Okay, so maybe you're thinking about pledging for uh, fraternity or sorority. You don't have to raise your hand. But that's going on this week. I think rush week is, I think, over or starting. I don't know. And so all these young men and women are trying desperately to get into these sororities and fraternities. And I'm sure for several great reasons. But there's a pattern of our culture that when you get to college, man, you just live it up. And then 
the definition of living it up gets pretty foggy from there. We're making eternal decisions for four years of our life that dramatically alter our future as college students. I was spent some time down uh, in Greektown a couple weeks ago. And talking with some people down there, understanding the culture of that and the things that go on on any college campus, let alone our very own college campus. As young men and young women give themselves to a pattern that our culture has said, hey, you got four years to do whatever you want. Give yourself away. Live it up. Drink every weekend. I think many people find themselves at the end of four years with lots of regrets and more brokenness than they know what to do with. There's a soundtrack that our world says, that's what you're supposed to do. This is what fun is, and they define what fun should look like. There's the soundtrack of the single life that says, hey, don't even think about marriage because you just need to live it up by yourself. Darcy and I, when we got married, and in fact, even nowadays, when people find out we've been married for almost 16 years, they say, you got married too young. Really? Because like, just like 100 years ago, you got married when you were like 15 or 16. So I was like an old man when I got married. And there's sort of this thought that you need to be single until you're 30. Because, man, if you get married before that, you know, the ball and chain and this whole thing. And I'm saying you need to follow God. Because if your sole reason to stay single is selfish pursuits, then I think you're pursuing the wrong thing. I say seek God. Now, if God's called you to single life, live single, pursue that. But you might want to check with God first. What does he desire? Same thing goes for the soundtrack of marriage. you got to get married. You are incomplete if you are not married. We feel this pressure. Well, I'm 25, I'm 35, I'm, and I've got to get married. Why? Whose soundtrack are you listening to? What is God telling you? About marriage, Has he brought the one to you? Are you seeking out first the kingdom of God and letting him determine what your soundtrack is? How about the soundtrack of our job? We live to work instead of work to live. We pour ourselves into things that we'll have nothing to show for at the end of our life. Sometimes at the cost of our families. Because we also have a soundtrack that says, go after money and possessions. Enough is never enough. Right? Save up, gather up, store up. The Bible says when you do that, you'll come to the end of your life and never have made an eternal difference. We live with the soundtrack of moral relativity. There is no truth except the truth that you believe, that you think is true. That's truth. Unless you're a Christian and believe there's only one truth, then that's not truth at all. That's unacceptable. See the irony in it? The hypocrisy of our culture to say there is no truth but the truth that you define and we as Christians define that there is a truth and it's not negotiable. Truth is actually a person, Jesus Christ. We're immediately slapped in the face for saying that we have something that we actually believe in and live for. We have the soundtrack of sexuality where sexuality has now become such a gray area. We can't even have an honest conversation about it. It's so loaded with tolerance and intolerance and how dare you say one lifestyle is wrong over another. And I'm saying there's a truth about what is written in Scripture out of love. And God's way is freeing. 
and there is sin and there's a price to pay. But our soundtrack in our culture has become so ambiguous, we can no longer even have a conversation. You know, in Moses' time, back in Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, he was facing the same things with the people of Israel. God spoke to Moses, and Moses declares in Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 15, it's sort of the same culture or Christ question. It says this, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to keep His commands and decrees and laws. Listen to His soundtrack. And then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and other soundtracks and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed or meet your destruction. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his soundtrack, his voice, and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the same conversation. He's saying... Which way are you going to go? You have a choice. You cannot refuse to make the choice because if you don't make the choice, you've made a choice. The non-choice is a choice in itself. Are you following? Okay, you got it. All right, good. He says, I've set before you this day, this choice. Joshua declared, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was a choice Joshua made. And in here it addresses, if you turn your hearts away and you don't live according to God's plan, you will find destruction. There's a way that seems right to people, but in the end it leads to death. That's the reward for chasing our own pleasures. It says, if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods, the truth is, in our life, we still serve gods. Lowercase g. Now we're thinking, you're thinking of little golden Buddhas, I understand. But look at your life. What do you pour your life into? What are you living for? What are the priorities reflected in your checkbook, in your calendar? Where is your time, your energy, and your money spent? It might start to reveal who the real God of your life is. Is it you? I understand you've got to pay bills. You've got to have a place to live. You've got to have a car to drive. But what ultimately are you chasing? Our culture soundtrack or Christ? You know, we've talked about Hebrews, and in Hebrews it talks about this walk of faith. It says, run with perseverance the race marked out for you. It says, so throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so entangles. And I think that many of us run in life with things that hinder us. They're not necessarily bad. They just hinder. They slow us down. We can't truly be successful. Would I call them sin? Probably not. Would you be able to get into heaven with these hindrances? Probably. With these sins that entangle, these things that wrap themselves around us, that encumber us and weigh us down. 
the Hebrew writer says, throw them off. Get rid of them. You don't need them. The soundtrack that you're listening to is leading you in the wrong direction. So the Hebrew writer says, throw it off. Get rid of the old soundtrack. You don't need it. And if you let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart, he'll begin to reveal the things in your life that hindering your walk with Christ, that's preventing you from seeing Christ. I think a lot of it has to do with some of the things that we have today that couldn't imagine just a few years ago. The access we have, the information, the things that we shouldn't play with, we shouldn't watch, we shouldn't see. Relationships that we shouldn't have. The time it sucks away from our family and friends and our priorities. You know, the Bible says that if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Oh, my goodness. It's hyperbole. <laughs> You're like, oh, good. Right? We'd all have to go pluck out our eyes and cut off our hands. Cutting off your first hand is easy. It's the second one. How do you do that? Right? got to get a friend you trust make it quick but i'm telling you the things that you're involved in on just little contraptions like this the things you're looking at that should we pop it open and show everybody what you're looking at there would be shame and embarrassment although our culture soundtrack says hey what you do in the privacy of your own home it's cool it's not cool. It will destroy you. It will destroy your family. The Bible says if there's sin in your life, you've got to cut it off. You've got to pluck it out. That soundtrack that you're listening to, you've got to get rid of it. You're woken up now. Good job. And I know what you just thought. You thought the amount of money <laughs> in that computer. If you knew the cost that your sin is going to cost you, you would see the cost of that computer as very little because it will cost you everything at some point in your life. If not your eternity, it will cost you your family. Your sin will cost you something. You just have to decide if you're willing to pay that cost. Cut out the computer. <gasps> Jeremy, you don't know what my family, my friends would think. Whose soundtrack do you care about? Quit letting other people Write your soundtrack. Because the second soundtrack influence is also close to you. It's your past, your failures, the sins, the habits, the addictions, the things you just can't seem to shake, can't get rid of. But Jeremy, you don't know how that person hurt me. You don't know what that person, you don't know what kind of house I grew up in. I get it. Our culture is full of people who use their past as an excuse. It becomes their anchor and they never move forward. And I'm saying, don't let that become your soundtrack. That's like a broken record. You know, a broken record, what happens when it gets a groove that wasn't meant to be there? It loops. And you get the same, and it just goes over and over. And some of you are living with that over and over and over, the same hurt, the pain, the bitterness, the resentment, the addiction, the habits, the hang-ups, over and over. It's not that you have the, just a wrong soundtrack. You have a broken soundtrack. And your past is influencing how you view everything. And I'm saying Jesus has come to be 
the rewriting instrument of your life. He's going to take you from CDR to CDRW. Get it. All right. Some discs you can record to and some you can rewrite. Never mind. I remember meeting with a young man named Joel several years ago. Joel came into my office and he was just a mess. He's 17 years old, about to graduate high school. And he comes in and he begins to just sort of vomit his life in front of me because he is so broken and lost and he can't, he can't seem to find the surface. And so he begins to explain to me as I, as I probe and as I ask us, you know, tell me what's going on and what, do you, what have you gotten yourself into? Oh, Jeremy, I just wanted to be accepted. I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted this. I just wanted that. And begin to explain the addictions he's caught in as a 17-year-old student from a very affluent family. He has everything. And he's telling me he's got nothing. And as I'm sitting here listening to his story, and I begin to challenge him and push back and and try to point him in the right direction, I'm saying, Joel, you've got to make a decision today. You've told me all this thing, but now you've got to make a decision. Life or death, blessings or curses, what is it going to be? And he began to wrestle with himself. I, it really, it was really odd because at times he was just, he was shaking. I, at, I thought he might be demon possessed, but I think he may have just been demon oppressed. I mean, there was just sort of a spiritual oppression in the room. At one point he was on his knees kind of leaning forward and then he slams back and his eyes roll back in his head. And I thought, oh God, what's about to happen? It's about to get real in here. And he's moaning and he's grinding his teeth. And you can hear the spiritual war going on in his mind and his heart. And I said, Joel, you've got to make a decision today. You've got to do something drastically different. You can't keep riding the fence. You can't keep wavering. You can't keep, oh, I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to, you know, what are you going to do? And as this, as this battle's going on before me, I said, Joel, before you leave today, you've got to make a decision. And just, I let him sit in silence as he's kind of agonizing over this. He stands up, he bolts out of my office. I thought, well, there you go. That's the answer. I watch him out my window as I see him leave the building and go into the parking lot. He heads to his car, but he doesn't go to the driver's side door. He goes to the passenger's door and he opens it up. And I see him dive in there and he's digging around. And it looks like he gets into his glove compartment. And before I know it, He's got an armful of stuff. He kicks the door shut. He comes walking back up to the building. So I go out to meet him in the, in the front office. And he, he walks in with just an armful of stuff. He told me about his addiction to cigarettes. What he was saying is, it goes deeper than this. And he's got an armful of paraphernalia and all sorts of other things. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I said, Joel, what are you doing? He says, I'm tired of it. I can't keep living like this. This has got control of me. It's my master. I said, well, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I don't know. I said, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to take this stuff and you're going to break it. Right here, right now. And you're going to say, Satan, you have no control over my life. And you're going to speak to these things as if they're living things. And you're going to tell them they don't have control over you anymore. You will no longer be mastered by them. So he sets the stuff down on the chair. And I remember he grabbed the first pack of cigarettes and he was shaking. It was like he was about to kill his dog or something. And I'm like, Joel, 
if you're serious about it, you got to do it. And it was like the Spirit of God just welled up in him with a fire. And he's like, you don't have control over me anymore. And he breaks it and he throws it and he grabs it. And it's like he couldn't grab stuff fast enough. He begins to smash it and break it with almost a violent, righteous anger towards these things that had mastered him. He begins to throw things down. And if they didn't break, he stuck his foot in the garbage can. You know, he did that thing and smashed them. And he walked out of that room that day a free young man. He was not going to be mastered by the habits of an old soundtrack anymore. He was going to be mastered by Jesus. And I tell you, some of you are mastered by your your past. And some of you need to answer the other soundtrack question, the influence of your identity. Who am I? I wish I could say that it was only... 12 and 14 and 16 and 18-year-olds who struggled with who they are. But the fact is, whether you're 14 or 40 in this room, many of you still have yet to determine who you are. And I'll tell you, you can only determine who you are by answering the question, whose am I? If you want to answer the question, who I am, answer the question, whose am I? Who do I belong to? Because your identity, if found in everything else, in the soundtracks of our world, in the value system of our culture, you will constantly be saying, who am I? What is my purpose? But when you are found in Christ and you belong to him, whose am I? I'm his. Your identity is found in Christ. You begin to live that purpose out. You begin to walk with an assurance of where you're headed, even if you don't know where that is. You must answer the identity question if you're going to have any control over your soundtrack because those who belong to Christ say, Christ, influence my soundtrack because many of us just listen to the lies of our culture because they're the loudest, they're the biggest, they're the most repeated because we let it come into our mind. Joseph Goebbels, the minister, ministry of disinformation of the Nazi regime, said it this way, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. Isn't that true about our culture? It is true. Whether it's coming from him or not, I would say the reverse is true. If you say the truth loud enough and long enough, you will believe it. So why aren't you listening to truth more often? The Bible says it this way. Romans chapter 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you filling your soundtrack with scripture? Are you filling your mind with Scripture? Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks, so he is. What you think, you become. So whose are you? And who are you? I want the band to come as we close. The last soundtrack influence can only really be Jesus Christ. Is he influencing your soundtrack? Is he your soundtrack? Because when you start having this conversation about the things that we listen to in our culture, we start stepping on toes. But Jeremy, I love that show. Good, great. Watch it. But don't tell me how you want to know Christ more, but you haven't opened your Bible this week. Don't tell me how things in your life just don't seem to be clicking, and yet all you fill your mind with is the music of our culture that says, sleep with whomever you want, 
do whatever you want. Hate your mom and dad, right? You need a new groove. You need your soundtrack to be rewritten. And Christ is the master of that. Because it's got to go beyond just saying what I believe. Right? That's like your album cover. People want to know what's actually in the album. If you're more than a one-hit wonder. This is what the author of James in the Bible writes. Faith without works, without deeds, without action is dead. Faith all up here, it's worthless. Until it moves into your heart and becomes the footsteps of your life, that's when it starts to become your soundtrack. Your behavior then becomes your beliefs. So are you listening to the truth long enough and loud enough so that righteousness becomes your groove? We have this conversation with our students a lot about what they're listening to, what they're watching. And I would make the bold statement that we would all do well to live according to this, that 80% of your music would be worship music. Oh, I know, your, your co-workers would just laugh you out of the room. But Jeremy, I love this music. This is, I, just love, I, just listen, I love the tempo. I love the beat. Music is powerful, people. You all know that. I mean, just watch Jaws once. Two notes. No, no. The power of music. So I'm saying, what are you listening to? Do you, my wife and I, we play worship music in our car and at our house. And we let it fill our home. Why? Are we listening to it consciously? No, but it's getting into our subconscious. It's probably more important, right? Now, I know everybody, it's not for everybody. But I've been on this journey myself. And if you look at what I listen to, I don't listen to Christian radio. I'm tired of the same seven songs. I'm sorry. But I listen to Jesus culture and Hillsong and Bethel worship, Elevation Church worship. And someday when we have our own album, right? I'll catch you. Because I want that to be the things that I'm humming along. I want to be walking along during my day saying, God, you make everything new. The truth of the scripture that we sang earlier this morning, I want that to be ringing through my life and in my head. And when I'm facing the difficult circumstances of life, I don't need baby, 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 oh! I just need to sing the words that Jesus is always there. He has a plan and purpose for my life. So fill your mind and your heart with scripture and with worship music. And let that become your soundtrack. And I know for many of us, the habits and the hurts of our life, the old soundtracks, they still weigh heavy on us. And so this morning, you see these trash cans up here. This is my old soundtrack. The, the promise of Scripture, Paul the Apostle writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And he writes it this way. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's the truth of Scripture. And so whether it's hurt or habits or hang-ups, I feel you, girl. Whatever it is, 
I'm a youth pastor at heart, and so I believe in action, that we have to step out sometimes to do something. If we're really going to say that it's impacting our life, then we take a step and we move forward and we do something. And so there's pen and paper up here this morning because I trust the Holy Spirit is working and moving. And he's speaking to your heart about those things, those hang-ups, those habits, those hurts that you by simply admitting on a piece of paper and entrusting to God and say, God, I'm getting rid of that, that old soundtrack I don't need anymore. You rewrite my soundtrack. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. The words of Jesus upon his return when he declares, Behold, I am making everything new. And that's the promise of Scripture to you and to me this morning, that if we are bold enough, are you bold enough? To write down the thing that in your mind, in your heart right now, your heart's beating a mile a minute because you know that thing. Those things that you need to confess and lay here in this garbage can and say, God, take the old soundtrack. And some of you, are you bold enough? Because it might actually be sitting in your car right now. And you need to go get it and walk it in and dump it in this trash can. Well, that's, that's pretty bold. Hey. Sin costs you something. You just get to decide what it's going to cost you. This morning, the band's going to sing a song called All Things New. Would you let that become the soundtrack this morning as you, in reflective prayer, begin to worship God and ask him, Lord, what is the soundtrack? Speak to my heart. What do you need to change? What do you need to rewrite in my soundtrack? And let him speak to your heart this morning. This is where freedom starts by declaring it. The Bible says that we're no longer slaves to sin. You don't have to be mastered by it. I know we say, well, I'm just human. I'll sin again. Stop saying that and start saying, I will no longer be mastered by anything. Sin is not my master. I am not its slave. Begin to speak the truth of the scripture in your life. When we say, when we say Jesus be Lord and Savior, that word Lord literally means master. I am his slave. I am his bond servant. I have willingly placed myself underneath his authority. And his lordship. I am his serf. And I serve him alone. And that may mean that every morning you get up and you write that thing down and you say, I'm free of this. And these canisters are going to sit in our lobby for the next six weeks. And our office is open at 7.30 in the morning. And if you need to drive by here every morning at 7.30 and drop your old soundtrack in, do it. Every morning if you have to. Satan doesn't relent, nor does our flesh. But you know what? I don't want to live naturally According to my instincts, I want to live supernaturally, according to the will of Christ in my life. He's making all things new. We are the new creation. You are back to the original design 
what you were created for, to worship God. That's why you were created. You're walking back into that dream, and you begin to realize that the dream is actually reality of living in Christ. In church, we close every week with the offer that Christ has given each and every one of us of salvation, to step into relationship with Him. So church, would you close your eyes in this reverent moment as some will make an eternal decision in this moment. If that's you in this moment and you've said, you've sung the song, He's making all things new and you're looking at your life thinking, I've never stepped into an actual relationship with Christ. I'm not talking about church and I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about actual relationship with Christ where you say to Him, come into my life. I want the free gift of forgiveness that brings life eternal with you. I'm done with the brokenness and the habits and the hurts and the hang-ups. I want you, Jesus, to come in to this broken life and take the messiness of my life and use it for your purposes. If that's you in this room, would you simply raise your hand up high? We're not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Lift your hand up. You can put it right back down church, we're going to pray with those who've raised their hands this morning. Many of us have made this prayer our own. We're going to make it our prayer again. Would you simply repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for new life through your son, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. I receive and believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Come into my life and help me to live according to your will, not my own. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If that's you, if that's the prayer that you made this morning, the Bible says you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and that speaks to all believers. That's the promise of Scripture. Do you believe it this morning? Amen. Amen. John chapter 8, verse 36 says it this way. He whom the Son, Jesus, sets free is free indeed. Have a great week.